0: Welcome back to Weekly EP, my name is Cody Swanson. This is episode 12 with Dr. Bertram, aka Dylan Henderson, from New York City. Dylan made a very good and I think also pretty accessible electronic dance record, and I hope you'll really enjoy it. We also talk about the interesting new school and old school way that Dylan recorded this record, and a good amount about synths. As always, we'll do a short intro, listen to the record in full, and then dive into the creative process. First, here's a taste of that record. Yeah we'll just start off with the basic questions and of course the most basic of those questions is what is your name?
1: My name is Dylan Henderson.
0: And what is the name of your music project?
1: Uh, My music project is called Dr. Bertram.
0: Okay cool and where did that name come from?
1: Had a project with a friend we called our project Bertrams. Just sort of a weird name that just came out of a kind of weird trippy time I guess. (laughs) Um, This was back in like 2010 2011 sort of long story short um we had this band called bertrams and then i did like a solo show where i was doing much more like kind of experimental noise based stuff and a friend of ours filmed it and then said oh you look like a doctor like twisting all these knobs and stuff He was like you're like dr bertram and i was like oh yeah i, I kind of like that name shortly after when i sort of started just working on my own solo stuff I kind of just went with that name because it felt right and i've just kind of rolled with it ever since then
0: and where generally in the world did you record this record
1: um i recorded this um in new york city in uh east harlem in my apartment where i'm currently sitting nice what
0: compelled you to to do one of these weekly eps
1: well i was advised um by a mutual friend, uh, Matt Polensky, AKA consumer. Mm-hmm. And I think that was right, right. When you were getting things started. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I just thought it was a cool idea. Um, I'm always working on new music and stuff, especially during, during the pandemic time, right. I have a lot of extra time on my hands, so I thought it would be kind of cool to try to focus that into making like a cohesive EP rather than just like recording sort of random songs, like mm-hmm. trying to give it some focus. Cool. And I like the seven day aspect of it to like keep it like tight.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh it's it's quite a restriction, but it can be freeing a restriction.
1: Yeah, it was it was kind of fun to just like roll, roll with some ideas and then just, you know, know, okay, I'm I'm gonna make this work one way or another without having to really like overthink it too much.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Would you say that this music is similar to the kind of stuff that you normally make?
1: I I think it's definitely similar. Um, I I think this 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 particular style, you know, there there might be slight differences between this and maybe some of my previous releases, but I think it's all kind of coming from the same place of like you know dance oriented, beat driven music. So yeah, I, I would say it's similar.
0: Okay, cool. And then the last question before we get into the music: If your sofa suddenly came to life. What is the first thing that you would ask it?
1: Oh man! Wow. Okay. Let, let me think about that for a sec. I don't know. I, like, I feel like I would ask it, like, how, "Are you comfortable?" You know, because I feel like <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like we're we're so used to like you know sofas providing us comfort, but like, what what would the sofa feel? You know, <laughs>
0: that's very considerate. Yeah.
1: <laughs> good good question though. <laughs>
0: Um, all right, cool. So you want to introduce the record?
1: So yes, it's called the, uh, the, the house special mix EP. And as you can sort of guess by the name, I, I was going for a very, uh, I guess, sort of like classic house mix ish feel with it, I guess, you know, as in something that really all kind of flows together. And I guess it's meant to be listened to straight through beginning to end mm-hmm. without, without really breaking.
0: Right. It's kind of nice to listen to. If you just put it on, you can just like let it keep going.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that that's definitely the, the the feeling I was going for with it.
0: All right, cool. So let's just uh yeah, get ready to jump into it then. So this is House Special Mix EP by Dr. Bertram.
2: So we're back. <laughs> so we're back.
0: <laughs> the first thing I usually ask people is the instruments that were used or the, the the gear that was used to make the record. And this is definitely one of those cases where I think I'm going to be kind of a complete idiot when it comes to the stuff you're talking about. So if you could be kind and, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you don't have to explain everything, but, uh, knowing that I'm kind of uh, ignorant of a lot of the tools probably you're using. I'd love to go through and just talk about it.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I guess the main pieces of gear that I use is a a drum machine and a sampler and then like a a digital eight track recorder. Those, those are pretty much like the main tools, I guess. And then, yeah. And then I also used uh, like a, a couple of effects pedals on the sampler Um, to add certain like modulations or equalizers and stuff like that but yeah mostly it's pretty much built up of just drum machine samples that are like looped and sequenced on the sampler and Mm -hmm. then sort of the the occasional uh synth bass line that you can kind of hear coming in at certain points
0: and are all, all those kind of connected through MIDI or some other kind of sync, or how does that? Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. I connect them through MIDI. Uh, my drum machine is sort of like the the master clock, I guess. Like I mm-hmm. I, I MIDI sync uh, my sampler or or one of my synths to the drum machine, and then I basically just on my on my eight track recorder. It's um it's a like a Korg eight track that looks basically looks like a eight track mixer, but then has a like recording interface on one side. Huh. And okay. I basically just kind of like track it out, like piece by piece. Like I'll I'll record, say, like a a drum track that's uh like you know just a kick drum and a snare, and then next I'll record maybe a sample that's a, a you know like a a loop of a of another drum break or bass line or something like that, and I'll kind of just keep adding parts in until until I've kind of like filled it up, I guess if that makes sense.
0: Okay. And does the MIDI interface at all with the, the recorder? I mean, is there, like, when you lay down the drum part, then you do you then have to go in and sort of traditionally lay in other tracks or other sequence parts, or, or is there a way that it kind of quantizes and, like, kind of matches it with the timing of the drums?
1: Yeah, well, because the drum machine is, like, the, the master clock, as long as I keep that set to the same tempo for the whole song that I'm recording... I know it'll be in the in the same tempo because my drum machine is just set to the same tempo, so it's that same mm-hmm. clock. Um, but then when I like add the next track on, like the hi hat and the the clap, I would have to press play on my drum machine sequence at like exactly the downbeat,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so so I don't end up with like sort of off notes. But sometimes I like to sort of play around with that, where when I start, you know, the next drum track that you know maybe is adding an extra snare hit or something i maybe start it like a fraction of a second off of the downbeat so it kind of creates mm-hmm. almost like like a staggered feel to it but it's still on tempo because it's still right that because yeah, yeah
0: because it will always consistently be a slight second off
1: yeah so i kind of mm-hmm. i kind of like to play around with that so i so it almost cool. doesn't always feel super like precise because that's something with a lot of like i guess like electronic like you know music or like house techno music where sometimes it feels like so so like precise and like on beat all the time that Mm -hmm. like it feels super mechanical and i like sort of trying to make it add some more like human touches by maybe making it not perfect all the time i I like to sort of focus on just like creating like a, a good groove i guess um like something something that just kind of like feels right that you want to move your body to um, but that feels right feels that way in like a, a natural way
0: one kind of funny thing is i was i was out earlier uh, running some errands and i was listening to the record again it was oddly a nice record to walk to
1: oh that, <laughs> which, that's good to hear <laughs>
0: which uh, i think is kind of funny because i you know i know like for the most part when i've l- listened to it it kind of it definitely feels like something that should be played or experienced live in like a, a, a venue setting or like in a, in a live music setting. But walking around while listening to it, and it kind of like allowed me to kind of a little bit more bounce in my step. It was actually kind of a, a sunny day. It was a nice day to earlier, and I was just walking around. I was like, oh, this is actually a really good walking record.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm super glad you uh, had that experience with it. Um, one of the things I was thinking of when I was making it was that no, knowing that, you know, I wouldn't be playing this in like a club anytime soon. Mm-hmm. I was sort of imagining like, you know, you're having like a a lively happy hour at, you know, in, in quarantine, you know, something like that, where it's where it's like, yeah, kind of put, puts a little bit of a little bit of energy in you. But but also maybe something that you could relax to at the same time. Uh, I'm sort of drawn to like songs that you can, you know, if you if you crank it up, and make it loud you can really like dance to it and get down to it but if you if you turn it down and you just want to like stay a little more chill you can do that too and i like when songs Mm -hmm. are sort of able to to do both depending on how you're listening
0: yeah i think that's something that not all songs can do especially ones that are on the more electronic side i think uh some of those sort of need to be played at loud volumes or else they feel weird yeah yeah hmm yeah, I know, that's a good point. Actually, that's that is a uh, that is a good thing to aim for. I, I think this is a compliment, so I hope that's how it's taken. But it, <laughs> it definitely, it definitely felt like it would be a really good entry record or a really good entry point to someone who didn't have, you know, maybe even had less experience than I do. It still has a lot of recognizable melodic bits and sort of sampling elements, but it still feels very much like a dancing vibe. You know, so it's sort of like a it can operate almost like a bridge to like, hey, you want to check out this kind of world? Like, you know, come along.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely, I agree with that. Like, I, I think I I didn't want to make it too, I guess, like complicated. Like, I wanted it to be mm-hmm. pretty straightforward in that when you, when you put it on, you know, after listening to a minute or two of it, you kind of know exactly what it is. And, you know, it's not trying to, to make any big grand statement or, or say anything specific other than like, this is, this is music to, to have fun to and and lift your spirits up. But yeah, yeah, I I think that like I was definitely going, approaching it from the standpoint of like, you know, early, early house music, early like um, techno kind of that, I guess that that mentality where there's nothing nothing too crazy or over the top like it's very very straightforward and like you you get what it is right away.
0: Uh I'm sure there's stuff that you do that that is not that, you know, like especially during live shows where it's a little bit more kind of deep dive. But Yeah,
1: um, yeah, I mean my live shows, well it's funny because I I haven't really played a live show in a in a while since uh <laughs> because of the pandemic and everything um and prior Prior to all this, um, you know, my live shows have all been like fully live using using my hardware, like just syncing everything up, like syncing a drum machine, a couple synths, you know, a sampler, yeah. and just just see you know doing everything live, like having sequences planned out, but just playing it all live. Um, but I was doing that sort of uh, actually prior to to getting this eight track recorder that I used, and so. Pretty much all of my previous releases that were made before 2020, I just recorded everything live. Like it was, it was sort of a slightly mm-hmm. different process. And then once I once I acquired that new uh, piece of gear, it sort of allowed me to change the way I um, put together songs in more of like a piece by piece way instead of a um, like recording everything live. So it also sort of changes the way I, I might perform live in the future of doing things from almost more of like a DJ mixing perspective than a full like hardware techno perspective, I guess. Right, right, right. I sort of have the option to go either way now, which, which, is, which is fun. Like I could do a set that's more DJ based or a set that's more live performance based.
0: Yeah, true. Um, and like, where did, so where did the samples come from in this case? Because I know there's there was some um, chopped up singing sample yeah like where, where does that kind of stuff come from is that stuff that you like in this case did you already have some of those samples kind of saved up in your drum machine or synth or was that stuff that you kind of seek out or how does that work
1: um pretty much at the at the beginning of the week when I was starting starting working on it I just spent a good like couple hours just gathering a bunch of samples and sort of compiled all the samples I wanted to use I wanted to kind of keep it keep all the samples i guess coming from a similar place to try to keep the whole ep like cohesive um mm-hmm. so so yeah i mean i i don't really want to reveal exactly what the samples are um oh yeah yeah just, no, you know you I, <laughs> <laughs> um but i i i can say that it's it's a lot of like old disco songs um that, that was kind of the, the primary influence for this one was just, um, mm-hmm. you know, finding old disco tracks, looking for drum breaks and, you know, either like keyboard yeah. parts or bass lines, you know, just thing, things that that I could sample and loop and kind of felt felt right with everything else.
0: Um, nice. Yeah. It definitely has a kind of funky disco vibe to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the samples definitely sort of like, I guess, helped inform where uh, or what direction. The whole record was going
0: hmm so let's talk a little bit more too about how the uh, the week went in terms so you so you started off kind of gathering some samples and inspiration for that and then what happened next yeah
1: so I guess to to break down like the whole the whole record I guess is comprised of like five songs that I made on my recorder and then I, I pieced those five together um, using um, the program Reaper on my computer Mm-hmm. But sort of within those songs that I did on the recorder, they sort of change. you know, some, a lot of the songs have sort of like a second half where it shifts to something different. So I just kind of started, I think the, the first one that I made was, uh, I, was the one that starts at about like, a little after the two minute mark where the sort of, I guess, almost intro song fades away. And then it, it I don't know, I guess it, it's hard to specifically pinpoint. The moment because it all, mm-hmm. all goes together um yeah 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 <laughs> uh but um but yeah i sort of i i did a couple a couple songs that had sort of like a first a first part and then transitioned into a second part and then it was it was pretty much at that point that was maybe like two days in that i realized like i think i just want this whole thing to be a continuous mix like i, I wasn't mm-hmm. sure up until that point if i like wanted to just make it like you know maybe five songs that within the songs they sort of transition to different parts or if i wanted to make it like one long track basically um so once once that idea kind of fell into place of like it's going to just be this continuous mix and then i just kind of you know realized like okay i know i'm going to need i wanted a specific like kind of high energy intro and some sort of outro that like I felt like brought a lot of energy and then I would kind of just fill in the middle spaces from there.
0: At what point in the week did it sort of feel like the main all the main songs and kind of structure were together.
1: So I basically worked on it, you know, for maybe like 4 or 5 hours every day. That was my my whole idea with it was I'm, I'm just going to put in a little bit of work on it every day and you know, not try to not second guess anything I'm doing and just just roll with mm. it. So about, yeah, I'd say probably about five days in I had like the the meat of of the album, I guess. And then um, the, I guess the the last two parts that I recorded were like the first sort of intro song and then like the last song that's sort of like really like piano heavy. Like, I guess I always like to start with something and end with something that I'm like happiest with. Because I think those are like the most memor- memorable parts of of like the listening experience. Um,
0: yeah, the, so, the whole bookend bookend kind
1: of theory. Yeah, yeah. and so like the, those two, the the first and the last parts um, were the last ones that I recorded. So I think I was kind of maybe in in the zone of like what sounds I was working with and the whole feel of the album, like the most. So I think those those are the two that I'm that I like I'm happiest with in terms of the whole flow of it.
0: And then how does mixing or mastering or that kind of thing look with this workflow?
1: Yeah. So that that's, I guess, a, another, another step in the process. So like after, um, when I'm working with my recorder, you know, I, I track everything out. So I have like eight, eight tracks each, usually about four of them are drum machine. Four of them are like samples or like a synth baseline. And then on the recorder, I'd like do a, a master recording where I like, adjust the mix live like using the faders on the mixer um, mm-hmm. so that that way I can sort of give it more more of a structure to it by like you know add adding parts as as the song goes on bringing parts out using the EQ to like you know cut the bass at a certain part or things like that. That
0: recorder can do that live. Like, does it remember the the faders and everything?
1: Yeah, yeah. Like it does like a master recording where, yeah, like whatever I do on the faders and the EQ is like recorded live, like on on the master track.
0: Oh, kind of like a mix down of sorts. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's kind of like okay, cool. um, So then once I've done that, then I just hook the recorder up to my computer, drag the the file onto the computer, and then and then I just I put all the tracks into Reaper just so I could pretty much put them like end to end and maybe give them a little bit of like crossover. And I did like just a little bit of like mixing on certain areas where I wanted to bring up the volume of like a certain part during a transition or something like that. Mm -hmm. But pretty much the bulk, the bulk of like the mixing and stuff is all done when I do like the master record on the actual like recorder.
0: Cool. That sounds like a really cool piece of gear Um, that it can do all those different things on like without a computer,
1: yeah, I'm I'm a, a big uh, proponent of uh, using hardware. I, I've never really been into using software in my creative process, like other than maybe for doing some like some mixing at the very end. I've always been a fan of actually having a drum machine and a synth and a a heart, you know hardware sampler rather than using like Ableton or or another software based uh, workstation.
0: Yeah, I, I still think some of my best songs I ever wrote were, were when I had a like a four track and eight track cassette recorder back in college. You know, like
2: mm-hmm.
0: just there, there was very little you could do. You know, if you wanted the guitar to be distorted, you had to use a, like a distortion pedal. <laughs> you know, yeah. or the drive channel on your on your amp. And there's a lot of great things that you can do when you have mm-hmm. access to digital software. But in the same way that when you have a lot of time, sometimes that time kind of ends up. Messing with your ability to actually finish something like all those tools can sometimes also do something similar with creative creativity. So,
1: yeah, I I definitely agree. I like, I think that sort of setting yourself those limitations in a way of, of whether it's time or the, the gear that you're working with, like, I think that can force you to, to be a little more creative. I, I like to work, try to work with like a specific palette of sounds for whatever the, whether it be like uh an album or an ep or just a song I, I think keeping it cohesive by limiting the gear that i work with has has really helped me like i i use a an old uh, like boss guitar multi effects pedal that i got when i was mm-hmm. like 16 um, but i still <laughs> use it for you know like the, the delay and you know modulation effects and it's it's kind of like you get to know your pieces of gear so well when you're using hardware that you you kind of learn all mm-hmm. the little tricks of all your pedals and I've always found that that fun to be able to know every every little in in and out of of your gear rather than going through endless like plugins in software
0: yeah and I think there's also, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of joy to having these physical boxes and the, you know, smacking a big button on the machine and hearing that click and everything like that. It's just like,
1: oh, yeah. There's that, something really nice about that tactile. That's exactly what I was going to say. That, yeah, that that tactile element is like, I think, super important for me. And like, whenever I'm making music, like, I I need to be able to feel, feel like the knob on a synth that I'm twisting or something like that. Mm hmm.
0: And also, I mean, when you're playing live, I would much rather watch someone, you know, like messing with the knobs on a, an old keyboard or, you know, stomping a, a you know, pedal box or something like that than clicking with their finger on their laptop, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I know the people that play music that way are doing a lot, but just from a visual perspective and kind of a performance perspective, it can often leave a lot to be desired in terms of kinetic energy and 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 stuff like that and all this kind of thing
1: so oh yeah yeah i i totally agree and yeah like obviously i i don't hate on anyone who uses a laptop or software you know everyone has everyone has their own preference and like whatever works for you great but yeah i think when it comes to a live performance especially like i i think audiences tend to respond a lot more to seeing hardware and you know seeing seeing that actual like live energy rather than just someone standing behind a, a laptop.
0: The what what kind of sense do you use or what kind of drum machine do you use? Again, um, I I might not know the models, but I'm just curious.
1: Yeah, um the drum machine is the Roland TR8, which is like a combination of the famous 808 and 909 drum machines mm-hmm. put put into one um in a more like, you know, modern sleek package, I guess. Um but it's a really versatile drum machine. Um, some really great drum sounds on there, and oh, then it still has
0: the uh, sorry, it still has the I think the same colors for like the original uh, sequencer. I just looked up a picture of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's like, like the, the it's like the the black red, and the orange, green yellow. one, but then it has mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the it red, has orange, like, yellow, white, yeah, yeah. Um, so <laughs> okay, that's cool. that's my drum machine um, that I use all the time, and then at my sampler is a, a Korg Electribe. Which is just like just like a little little box that I'll just like plug my audio into, record the samples onto that, and then it has a step sequencer uh, that I can like use to, to just like sequence out the samples where I want them. And then in terms of synths, I use uh, the Roland TB uh, TB03, which is a I guess re like re envisioning of the famous TB303 synth, which uh, was like that. Acid house, defining like acid house synth. I'm not sure if mm. you're familiar with that. Uh, I
0: think only an image imagery. I'm not really sure. About yeah, it's uh, it's
1: that role. that s- uh, silver box. Um, but yeah, it's you. I'm sure you w- you would recognize the sounds of it if someone I think pointed it out. Like it, it has that mm-hmm. very distinctive like squelchy resonant filter.
0: I just looked it up on Google, and uh, one of the image search. Uh, results has a, uh, it's called uh, the Roland Acid House Bundle,
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's uh yeah. So it's the it's the, the TB three and the TR 9 or something like that. That's the, yeah. that's the Acid House Bundle.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's there's been a big uh, kind of rekindling of of I guess um, a love for acid house. I think in the last like five years or so. Um, recently, Behringer mm-hmm. put out their version of the the tb303 like i think called the td3 Mm. or something something like that um so a lot of companies are i think trying to make sense now that that emulate that what's
0: the closest that we can get to the name without copyright infringement
1: (laughs) right (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so that that i use that that synth um on a couple of the tracks for the kind of real like like bouncy synth bass lines and then um, the other synth I use is the Roland uh, JP08, which is another sort of like modern re envisioning of uh, the old uh, Jupiter Eight synth.
0: You know, I was just actually, I was just, I, I've been thinking about getting the um, the Korg, um, no, the Minilogue.
1: Yeah, um, a good a good friend of mine has that, and it's uh, that's a really cool synth.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've always like been really into you know like the Jupiter sound and stuff like that, and so I've been kind of going. The reason why I ask about the synths because I've been going on this um, mostly depressing but really fun journey through a bunch of different like synth videos, just because <laughs> there's just I realize how little I know about synths, but also um, how many there are and you know there's so many options and a lot of them are out of my price range but i was looking at the jpo 8 and some of the other similar like there's like the jp08 a or something like that, that yeah the, with.
1: the whole uh Ro- it's like the the roland boutique line i think is what it's mm-hmm. called that that they made um that are all i think all between like maybe three or four hundred and they're all like re like Re reimagined versions of like classic famous synths like like the TBO three that I have is mm. is part of that line too, but I do think it's like now now is a good time. I mean, pandemic and crisis crises in the mm. world aside, um now now is actually like I think a pretty good time to to be buying synths because I think a lot of companies are starting to make more affordable. Uh, decent quality, like analog synths and stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah. I think there's been sort of like a, a a renaissance of like hardware gear and stuff like that.
0: I mean, I was, you know, I was looking, you know, because a buddy uh, recently, I guess on Tuesday, actually was telling me about the Minilogue. And uh, we had a big talk about synths, and I was telling him about um, Sharon Van Etten's last record that uses a lot of, uh, I think the Jupiter 4, I forget which one now but just a lot of synth stuff on it. And we were just talking about, went down a rabbit hole of synths. And so I came home and I looked up some footage of people testing out and playing the uh, Mini Log, And I was just really impressed with the sounds that it could make for $350 synth, especially like yeah, the non-XD yeah. one. Like it's a lot cheaper now. I think the XD is like 500, but even 500 is, mm-hmm. I think maybe also I've been looking at a lot of, uh, in the past, like vintage Jupiter synths and stuff like that online. And it's like, those are not, ever affordable for me so
1: yeah um, yeah i think like you know even maybe i think 10 years ago it it wouldn't have been nearly this easy to like find a synth that's actually affordable where you know you're mm -hmm. you know you can you can spend 300 bucks now and you can you can get some some pretty decent synths Um, so that's encouraging for anyone who wants to to get into that because i think that's always been something that deters people from going down the hardware route when it comes to like making music, especially electronic music. It's like, it's Mm -hmm. super expensive to buy a drum machine and, and a synth and stuff. Whereas, you know, when you can do it all on your computer with one program, like, right, 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 right. It's a lot more cost effective.
0: I've been tempted over the years as well to, to get like a MIDI interface and then try to get some, some software simulated synths. But, um, Mm -hmm. I've never been able to make myself do that as much as as much as I want to find some cool patches and stuff and and, uh, do all that. Like, it's just there's something about the idea of emulating uh, a synth like that that just kind of feels Mm -hmm. wrong to me.
1: Yeah, it'll it'll always feel right for me to work with hardware. You know, that's that's just been been something I've realized over the years that it's just that's that's kind of the, the mode I work best in is when I'm when I have the gear in front of me.
0: Mm hmm man like looking back on on the week or on the experience or the the music like what are your um, do you have any thoughts or any kind of
1: um it was it was a lot of fun i i mean that that was kind of my my whole goal with with the ep was like to have to have fun with it like the first day i was working on it i like suddenly felt a bunch of like pressure all of a sudden i was like oh (laughs) shit i gotta make this really good um you know like this is it's not you know just just because it's for for a podcast and not just me making songs in my in my you know apartment i at first i felt a little more pressure and then i had to sort of take a brief step back and just be like no you got this you just got to keep going and trust that what will come out will be the right thing Mm -hmm. um and i'm i'm super happy with it like i i think i i always like um I always like to to sort of see where things go when I make a song, like I don't always, I start with an idea and then I don't always know exactly how it will end. So I, I like that sort of sense of mystery when I'm, when I'm like working on something. Mm-hmm. And I think ultimately it turned out pretty well. Cool, <laughs>
0: that's awesome. <laughs> and yeah, Dylan, so if, if people wanna find more of your music, where's the best place for that to happen?
1: So uh, my Bandcamp page, It's bandcamp.com slash Dr. Bertram. That's D R B U R T R U M. I have a ton of music up on there. I believe in giving digital music away for free. So you can download anything there. Um, name your price. Zero is fine. (laughs) Although I would like to say as of, as of this recording, um, any sales that I make from any of my music, I'll be donating to the Black Visions Collective to, you know, show show support during these times. I think it's important uh, to do what we can. That's awesome. So yeah, as of this recording, for the foreseeable future, uh, that will be happening. If you just um, are into streaming, you can find a. Good chunk of my discography on Spotify. All my recent releases are up there. Um, Spotify, Apple Music, pretty much all all the main streaming services. I, mm-hmm. I have my stuff up on there, so you can you can find it there. Just search Dr. Bertram.
0: Nice. And do you have any kind of? I Do you have like Instagram or Facebook or anything like that? Or
1: yeah, um, Instagram. I'm I'm definitely more active on my Instagram than my Facebook nowadays. So mm-hmm. um, it's yeah. again. Dr. Bertram, uh, D-R, period, B-U-R-T-R-U-M.
0: Yeah, man. Well, thanks so much again for doing this.
1: Thanks for having me on. Um, it, It was a ton of fun. I'm glad I got to be a part of it.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of Weekly EP. Once again, my name is Cody Swanson. I hope that you enjoyed this week's record and interview. I had a great time meeting and chatting with Dylan and I may have to hit him up again for synth recommendations because now I'm really leaning towards that Korg, but it feels like just the tip of the iceberg. Please check out more of Dylan's music at drbertram.fancamp.com and on Spotify and Instagram. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and review it wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps a lot. Also, you can follow us on Instagram for photos of the guests and the instruments used on each EP and other fun stuff. All the episodes and more can be found on our website, weeklyep.com. And if you or someone that you know would like to do your own weekly EP, please get in touch because we would love
2: hear from you.